know about you, but I'm feeling like this is episode 22. It is indeed. Why do you have a Yoshi? Uh, because Yoshi is the coolest um, Mario character, and we finally got to go see the Mario movie the other day, so my son got it for me for my birthday. Co-host. Oh. He's in place of Sydney. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I thought I had to do something with 22, and I was confused. No. I, I, I the whole bit. I couldn't We're make it that We're off to a far. great start. We're off to a great start. Yes, we are. Well, we made it to 22. Tommy Moose, Tyler Pilgrim. Sydney is celebrating his 22nd birthday, right? Yeah, 22nd. Sure. We'll go with it. We'll stick with, we'll stick with that. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, and, and we had uh, another week of a draw. We had another draw. One to one, you were there. I was. It was unwatchable at points. Exciting at points. How was the Orlando experience? You you lived. You're here. Everybody made it back, okay? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. I'm alive. Um, no thanks to the Orlando fans. I will say that they are a different breed for sure. The, first of all, like shout out for real though to Orlando, like their their communication staff and everything. They were super cool, super helpful. Um, everybody there was super helpful. Getting to the stadium was interesting, and of course, it's a little bit different because I'm coming from a, a press perspective. But um, it was neat. It was it was a really really cool spot. You know, you do get a little bit spoiled at the bins. I think it's easy to get spoiled there because it's such a nice like just new age facility in every way. Uh, but, but the place was cool. Um, to their credit, the fans, the Orlando fans, I mean, they did show up pretty well and they were loud. Of course they have, you know, built in noisemakers because they sit on like high school bleachers and all they got to do is like jump around and make noise. Um, their, their chants were less than ideal. I will say they were a little, a little immature, but whatever. And uh, their choice of TIFO that they had, was really confusing. I don't know where they were going with that one. Uh, they they had the TFO that was it was uh, trophies are forever, and it was it was a 007 theme, right? So you had the you had the James Bond like intro picture, and it said trophies are forever. And people in the press box are even sitting there thinking like this is not the team to bring this TFO out against. Like they have an MLS Cup, we don't. <laughs> So, um, but no, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was, it was even better that Atlanta came away with at least a point because it, for about 87 minutes, it was not looking like that was going to happen at all. It just was boring, I guess. The most exciting thing was seeing Brad Guzan just be Brad Guzan a month earlier than what he was supposed to be. And that was just the shocking part was that you saw him like, you see him practicing. You've seen Ozzy Alonso practicing for a month now. So you're thinking Brad's probably got at least another week. Like, or maybe even plays in the midweek game. But they're gonna slowly bring him back. Brad Guzan does not wait. And I saw his post game interview with Apple and he's like, I'm not twenty one anymore. I don't have time. Dark, real dark. But he's <laughs> he, he he was right. He yeah. he comes back. 
and he saved the game at, at points. There's a couple saves that he makes, or a couple like plays of just controlling, like, keeping everybody in line that none of our backups do. It was great. Yeah. It, it, like I, he's not the best keeper right now in the league, but he does something that the other ones do not do, and yeah. I, I'm I'm here for it. And hopefully he stays healthy. And the more I watch Brad Guzan now and see what he's providing after we've watched D up and in Westberg, I don't think any three of these guys are going to be on this roster next year. Yeah. I think I the mean, clean house and go find someone else. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, I think honestly, if you, if you pick one of them, that's realistically going to stay, I would actually say it would be Diop. I think uh, just because I mean, him and Westberg both experience age, you know, whatever. Unfortunately, you're just you're missing not not necessarily to to discredit them, but there aren't many people out there that bring what Bragzan brings. And uh, you know, we'll talk about it definitely. But you know, when it comes to like the what he said in the post match press conference, um, which was which was funny because it was me and one other person down there asking questions in a tiny room. But it was basically a break room in Exploria Stadium. It had a sink and a couple of cabinets and a like a party table and a couple of little flip chairs. And that was it. That was our press conference room. So we're sitting in there and I'm like, you know, we're me and Brad Gazan are face to face. And he, he sits down. I was like, so man, is it is it the Wolverine blood? Is that what you've got in you? And he I think it took him by surprise. And I still don't know if he understood what I meant. But I was like, dude, you just like, how are you feeling? And he was like, man, I feel great. My Achilles is good. My knee's good. Um, and he 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 told he gave a shout out to the medical staff. He said, you know, a lot of a lot of times, especially last year, they got a lot of crap. Um, and he said, you know, they they care for all of us immensely. And he talked about his recovery and said that he essentially he's the most annoying patient that they'll ever have because he doesn't want to just sit there. He wants to take what he's told to do and then take it a step further if he can. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, but it, it was, it was nice to hear. It was nice to hear that, you know, from his words, from his mouth that he's feeling good. And then you see what he brings in the game. You see his, the way he, he tries to organize things. Now there's a difference because I think it gets kind of, kind of caught up in, in the, the way that the game was played out. Like the players have got to figure out how to bring their energy. And the energy was clearly missing in this match. Brad Gazan can only yell so much and try to get them hyped up, right? But he can definitely help keep that back line more organized. And I think, and again, not to discredit Claymont Diop or Quentin Westberg, but I think without Brad Gazan back there, you're probably looking at a two or three nil game before Tyler Wolf put that that one ball in. So I just think he provides something that you don't really have often in MLS which is a lot of experience. So you use the word energy. Yes. We've heard energy. We've heard intensity. And then in the post-game interview, he changed the word intensity to what? Urgency. Urgency was, was kind of the, the new keyword. How you just change it. Like, because the, the complaint you're seeing on Twitter, and I'm sure anyone listening to this is that all of Pineda's post games are pretty much the same thing, right? Like it's just kind of rinse and repeat. My argument to most of them is go watch. If, if you watch any other team, it's usually the same thing after a loss. 
And a lot of times it's the same after a win. But it is alarming when you're hearing urgency, energy, intensity, willingness. Is that going to be the next one? Like we're running out of words. Like I I pull up the. Well, there's the sores. Yeah. And like, and like, let's, let's find the words that, that match it here. But how, how is this still something that's been getting brought up for five weeks? And, and that's, and, thing, and that's like, my only complaint. That's like my only complaint about like, I mean, besides the game, but like, just like in general, like this is just continuously happening where it's, it's just, you, you don't see them coming out, like, especially on the road. And like, he talked about that today, like, um, you know, when he was available to the media, like we want to play the same on the road as we do at home. We have not seen that like at all on the road, except maybe Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, you could maybe argue Toronto. Um, maybe. But but then you but then you just have the habit of giving up silly goals to end up not winning the game like you should because you, you came out, you played pretty good soccer, and then you end up blowing it at the end because you can't hold on to a lead. And unfortunately, I think those are the those are the spots where having Brad Gazan back there probably would have made the difference between one point and three points. So it is a mixture, but the urgency thing like that. The way that Atlanta came out the other day was uh, it was alarming, I think, in in my opinion, only because they the talent is there on the field. The talent is there, and we know that they can bring that intensity, but they all just seemed flat, and Orlando just seemed like they wanted it more. It's a rivalry game, like that's yeah. I guess that's the, the the point is is that it's a rivalry game, and you wake up for these and maybe you don't have a lot of the players that were around when it was a real rivalry, but you have Brad, you have miles, you know, those guys have, have been around when, when this was, and it, it's really not a rivalry anymore. Let's just say what it is. Like both teams really don't consider it as much anymore as, as a big rivalry. And they, it's weird when you like, it's Orlando's weird because fans do though. Oh man, they hate Atlanta. Wales is not I even around wanted. anymore. I know. Yeah, I, I was I was hoping Yakamakis would score, like to start too. it back up, right? Me too. It would have been nice, and and we're gonna yeah. get into his play, and uh and the whole the whole team's play in general. But yeah, I mean, I really, 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 if there was any game that you wanted him to start and score in, it was this one. For sure, uh, but I mean, on the positive side, thought the subs were were perfect. Barry even had a chance. Barry, let's let me repeat that. Barry had a very good chance to score. He had two, and it just actually. went wide. Yeah, yeah, but that that the I one mean, where it just cut for sure. He, yeah, he he definitely he should have had that. But I thought Chol looked good. Yeah, I mean, obviously Tyler Wolf scores the goal. Other Wolf scores a goal today as well. Yeah, for the U.S. That was nice yep. to see. The family's having a, a hell of a week. They really are, man. They're like two weeks, it. two weeks, hell of yeah. a two weeks. Because Tyler Wolf, he had the he had the goal in this one. You go back to the the little dink goal that he got, uh, what last week, and then yeah. he had the one in the Open Cup, and he he's been tearing it up with the twos as well. A lot of people don't realize that if you're only paying attention to the first team, but the stuff that he scored with the twos was just, I mean, it was beautiful. It was really they were well worked goals, you know, and. 
at the end of the day, he's taking advantage of the opportunities he's being given. And that was kind of what he brought up in the post-match press conference um, was, you know, what, like what, what has changed in him is what I asked him in terms of like what he's doing now and why he's kind of like now suddenly in the spotlight. And he, he talked about how he's really focusing on the, the minutes that he gets truly taking advantage of them. And Brad Gazan actually kind of alluded to it when he was in there talking with us. And he said, you know, a guy like Tyler Wolf can sometimes, you know, he gets frustrated because he doesn't get the minutes that he wants. And then when he does, sometimes, you know, you don't always take advantage of them the way that you want to. And, and you know, the, uh, there's a lot of factors into that. Like you can be a good player, get time, still not score goals. There's a lot of luck involved. That's just the way soccer is. But, you know, he talked about how Tyler Wolf is getting these opportunities and he's taking advantage of them. And then when Tyler Wolf came in, he reiterated essentially the same thing and said, that's been my entire goal is the, the minutes that I do get taken advantage because a, a team like Atlanta – that brings in so much outside talent, it can be really hard for a homegrown to truly break through, you know, not impossible, but it can be difficult. And that, I mean, and that's obvious. I mean, when you're bringing in guys like Almada and Miggy, and I mean, you know, we can go down the list of ones that people, you know, will say didn't work out or whatever, but like the talent was there. Petey Martinez, like, so you put up a guy like that against a homegrown, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old, it can be tough. And he said, I got to take advantage of the moments I get. And I asked him about, you know, what, what advice his, his family had given him because, you know, he's got, um, he got family that works for Atlanta. He's got obviously family over in Austin coach and brother. Um, and so his, his big thing was just exactly that. The minutes are, are being given to me, you know, slowly, but surely. And I have to jump on it and take advantage of them. And I think he's, he's definitely, made Pineda's decision a little harder in terms of some of those starting spots going forward. hundred percent. And the argument has been Pineda said, I don't remember what game it was. Like if players aren't coming to play, then we're going to play someone else that will. Yep. You could say that nonstop, but when you have a limited roster because of the way this team is formed, because of suspensions, because of injuries, it's really hard to do something like that. It's really hard to sit somebody because you want to win the game, right? You don't want to just give up a game and say, well, I'm teaching this, this kid a lesson. So I'm going to play this person instead, knowing that they are probably going to give you less of a chance to win. You, you just didn't have that. And Shoal and Wolf are improving depending where, you know, especially Shoal's playing. I mean, he, they've been putting yeah. him everywhere. Yeah. But that's what you need. You need some of these younger players to be able to come into a game and make a difference. It, it just helps you long, long term. And, you know, who knows if they end up becoming a, a starter down the line. But Pineda has loved Tyler Wolf since the day he's arrived here. The first interview he did, he specifically brought up Tyler Wolf. And mm -hmm. I think him scoring recently has just brought a, a special joy to, to Pineda because that's just a huge, huge progression for a player that he he really wants to see succeed there so I, I i'm excited for him but my the, the main problem i thought with this game going through it was just it, it's the same thing over and over right it's the midfield yeah like it, when, when you see who's that to 
and Sosa together, you know it's going to be rough. And like a, a lot of people are asking about, you know, Almada. He's taken a step back recently, it seems. You know, is he hurt? Is he not care? I've seen some of those that he's just dialed out and he's he's ready to move. Guys, he hasn't even signed anywhere. Like, it's not even like he's been announced to go somewhere else. So yeah. it's not like he's just on his way out. I think if they announced it like Aruju, maybe you could say that. I don't see that from him. But that midfield, like, oh, Amada has to do so much out there. He's got to clean up the, the plays. And really, you want him focusing on creating but he's helping clean up too defensively. Yeah. And that's fine. Like I'm not saying he should not pl- be playing defense, but as much as he is, it's getting a little ridiculous. And the just the entire just they they don't work well together here. Now the good news is Pineda said Sadich is possibly a week away yeah. from returning. So that's huge because I think we've said Ibarra and Sadich is our preferred midfield, right? Yeah, so, I mean, Sadich and Ibarra, I, you know, I didn't mind Hosedu and Ibarra as well. Um, and and I, I do, because, again, I know that the, like you're saying, the midfield in this match was incredibly non-existent in terms of moving the ball through the midfield, which is essentially their main job. I thought Hosedu got more involved in the second half, and then it kind of culminated really in the shot that, caused the deflection that Tyler Wolf jumped on. I mean, it was it's it's refreshing to see your number eight actually out there taking shots every once in a while. And that's twice this year that I can think of. One, he got the goal. Um, you know, that we took a deflection all that earlier in the season, but he got a goal off of it. And then this one, it was a screamer of a ball. And Pedro Gillespie did really, really good to save it. All he could do was parry it away and he parried it right to Tyler Wolf who and then Tyler Wolf put in an amazing shot. So like Rosetto, I think I'm not super mad at him, but I just don't think the pairing of him and Sosa works. I, I, I wish it did, but to me, the midfield right now as it stands, the the woes and everything that we are talking about constantly, I, it falls on Sosa when Sosa's playing, in my opinion. Now, again, I said who's involved in that for sure, but it starts with Sosa because Sosa is that next step above your, your center backs, both offensively and defensively. So when these goals that are coming in come from a late runner or, you know, somebody trailing behind the ball, behind the play, that's on your midfield. Also, when you're trying to play out of the back and you can't, like they like what happened in Orlando, and, and credit to Orlando because they were pressing really, really well, really organized, but there were just too many sloppy touches, sloppy passes, sloppy everything, and there was – Going to what Pineda said, there was no urgency back there to move the ball the way they need to. And your number six has to be able to do that. And I think Ibarra has done that much better this season, not just in moving the ball, but also being the guy back there that he's going to handle business in terms of uh, turning the ball back over and, and pressing to win the ball back and being a little violent when he needs to be. And I just feel like Sosa hasn't brought that this season. Yeah, I, I think this – this summer, summer window, they are going to dress the midfield quickly, and it's not going to be it's not going to be a cheap player. I think I think they're going to expend a lot of money. I think a DP spot is potentially where they need to go with this, and then I think you're cooking. I, I think you know I know Brad doesn't know what that means, but I think that we 
we know that if they're able to bring on someone that can move the ball forward consistent, I think they're going to be okay. And that's actually what Garth Lagerway said on 92.9 the game is that, you know, when they asked him about Aruju, you know, it's a good thing for everybody. But he said that he likes to build through the middle. I think that was a hint of where they're looking for, for this next DP spot. So that that's that's what's exciting to me is because I think that's what we've needed. We've needed that Nagby replacement for a very long time with even more talent level, I think. So yeah. they're they're gonna be out there looking to improve the midfield, I think, immediately this summer. And if you can keep Amada and you can keep I mean you're obviously gonna keep Yakamakis, I think I think you're gonna do really well. And yeah. I see in the chat everybody's talking about NTN right now as well. That's another guy. That's that. That's that's an interesting take. And, we and need to talked about him today hit too. On some of these, the the chat comments too. I think it'd be a good time here in a minute. Yeah, like NTN's like another one where it's when is this guy gonna click? Because he's not a guy that comes outside the country. This guy has grown up in MLS. He's been successful in MLS. Kind of sounds like Barry at this point, but that like he's he has that experience. Like he's not trying to get used to the country like a lot of these players. He knows this league. And they asked Pineda about how they felt about him today, and he made a comment about, like, that he wasn't at the preseason. And that's why, you know, that's where they gained their chemistry. It's June. Yeah. It's June. He, he's he been healthy. He's yeah. been healthy for a while. I, I understand he, he couldn't win his spot back there. I don't think anybody would, is arguing that he should be starting over Caleb right now. But he's got enough experience. It's it's got to come sooner or later. And he and he had a, a couple plays that were I thought that looked dangerous. Um, you know, I think he had a really nice pass. I forget who 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 it was too, but he got fouled on the play. But I thought it was a nice pass. Yeah. Other than that, it was just okay. He's there, and right now you got NTN and you've got Brooks Lennon over there. You got to get more dangerous. Yeah, you have to. I agree, and. So like this is a perfect time to kind of hit on some of these comments. I know I'm going to run back to the beginning. We're not going to hit and them. They're all. good ones. They're good yeah, ones. We, all we got plenty of good ones. Um, let's see. So pars of all saying I really like the subs we made shows the longer term dependability in the younger players we have. We're definitely going to be talking about that in a minute because we're going to be doing player ratings. So keep that in the back of your head. Uh, AJ saying what happened to Almada? He was real sloppy on the ball. Is it just tiredness? He's another one we're going to talk about. Um, so a lot of these are foreshadowing what we're going to be talking teasers. about. They're called teasers. Teasers, yeah. Um, let's see, Dan. Good evening. Um, let's see. Emilio saying, I'm afraid we won't be able to find a goalkeeper next year that can both stop shots and be able to coach all the field players and remind them what to do all the time. The second part is not sustainable. Um that's where the summer summer window comes into play, I think, because you, you've got to start getting players on the pitch that don't need to be constantly yelled at all the time. That, that has to come from within at some point, for sure. Uh, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Yeah, so now saying Etienne's not been it for me. I'd rather have Wolf start instead of Etienne. 
I think Wolf is, especially while Caleb is out, I think Wolf is making quite the case for himself, especially after being snubbed and even going to the, the World Cup in the first place, right? Like he he should have he should have got the the ring. But anyway, that's a different topic for a different day. Uh, I don't know if there was any specific ones that you wanted to hit on, Tommy, but. Um, yeah, Niall saying Sosa and Hoseta were absent. Sadic and Ibarra is the best midfield for me. Yeah. Emilio just coming in hot. Etienne was a bad signing. Um, too early. I think it's too early for that, though. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I, I'm I'm maybe more patient, you know, than, than a lot of people. But I think I, I do think saying something like, you know, he, he missed the preseason and the chemistry. I, I think I think that's a stretch. Cause like you said, it, it is June. Like you, you've like, it would be different too. If he were like a Marcelino Moreno type guy who is super shy, super kind of away from everybody, you know, was a part of the team fit well with the team or whatever, in terms of like with the players personality wise, but he was shy. Etienne's not that Etienne is the, the life of the party. So I don't think he's going to have an issue developing chemistry with his teammates. He's, he's right there involved in it all the time. I think, I mean, it's at some point you just got to say, hey, you just got to go out there and get it. You just got to go out there and make it happen. And I thought in this Orlando match, uh, in the first 15 or 20 minutes or so, he was actually one of the better players in the field in terms of Atlanta attacking. I thought he at least tried to make some things happen. I feel like he kind of dropped off after that. But I just I keep holding out hope that when he does get that goal, that it's going to um, you know just kind of click with him and, and we'll see. But – the thing is, is he's he's kind of on borrowed time because you do have Caleb Wiley who's going to be coming back. And I don't think you could argue having Etienne start over him once he gets back. And then you got Tyler Wolf waiting in the in the wings, just trying to work his way in. And not that he's necessarily going to be playing that same position, but Tyler Wolf you can put anywhere. And Paneda even talked about that the other day. Tyler Wolf is a is a kid that you can throw pretty much anywhere on the pitch, and he's gonna he's gonna do fairly well. So yeah, Etienne's going to be, I'm, I'm sure, a consistent conversation piece going forward. Um, That's two players that we brought on this offseason that have a lot of question marks with Abram and Etienne. And I don't even know if there's really a, a question about Abram because we really haven't seen him play that much. And we have seen him play. He was with Parada. Yeah. I, I want to see, a, I really, really want to see Abram and miles together. Like when are we going to see that combination? We're second in the league. I think with goals against. Yep. Why not try it? Like, yeah, th there has to be something. There has to be a reason why he's not starting, but I didn't think he looked bad in his last start. I didn't think he looked terrible. Don't think he looked completely off, but let's see it. Yeah. Maybe we see, it this, maybe we see it this week. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing some more changes like that again because, you know, Pineda did allude to – now, he was talking about Yakamakis, but he also talked about being super careful in general with some of his, his subs and, and the load of some of these players. And we saw it last week, right, where you had the game where it seemed like half of the starting lineup was totally different than what anybody expected. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that again. And and I do think Abrama is definitely one that's going to pop up and – and and I would again like you. I would like to see him next to 
to miles and just kind of see what happens. Um, I would also like to, at some point, have all three of them on the pitch and, and run a slightly different formation and see what happens. You know, but yeah, they're they, they're not creative though. I, I don't I don't feel like they're they're getting creative. And then today again, Panina made a comment about consistency in the lineup. Con- like, and I laughed at that because we saw what the we saw what the Chicago game was with consistency in the lineup. Not consistent. So, what does this mean? Like, at one point you're saying you want. If you're not trying or if the players aren't giving that intensity, they're going to play other guys. But then he said he wants consistency. Some, something's got to give, right? Like one of them yeah. have, have got to happen. I don't know. Like, and, and you know, Emilio was saying Abram will be the, the starter next year. What about now? Like he's he's not getting paid a little here. I think he's a TAM player. I think NTN is also a TAM player. Like yeah. they're they're making they're 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 high paid players. They should be being there to perform. Now, is the system friendly to these wingers? I think so. I mean, we've seen other wingers do well. I mean, I think so because right now your wingers are getting the ball way more often than anybody else on the pitch, just about because yeah, you're so often trying to spray it wide. So Lennon. Etienne, obviously your fullbacks, Gutman, Hernandez, when he's playing, you know, whatever, they're all getting time on the ball. It's just a matter of making it count. And, and, but it also falls back on the midfield too, because the midfield has to be dangerous in the sense that, like, like you could watch it with Orlando. Orlando was all over every player on the outside the moment that it, it was played out to the wing. And, that's not on accident. They know what Atlanta's trying to do. They know Atlanta's trying to play out wide and then send the ball back in, usually through Almada or through a cross. And it uh, unfortunately has become kind of predictable. And so you don't have that direct threat right down the middle that your number eight should be the one providing. And at times you're number 10. And that's how you keep defenses honest. That's how you allow your wingers more space to operate. And they're just not doing that right now. So, and I, I, wanted to, I wanted to hit on what Jimothy said to um, Almada not playing up to his level consistently in an attacking midfielder role, which is why he's having to drop back to clean up. Taylor Twelman pointed that out. I didn't hear that, um, but I, I, my wife texted me when I was at Exploria Stadium, <laughs> and she was like, Twelman is like all over Almada right now. Like He's going to get so much crap, which, you know, that's, that's part of what happens when you're Taylor Twelman, I think. <laughs> um I would argue – now, again, we're going to talk about Almada in a minute because we're going to do the player ratings. But I would argue that when your midfield, your main midfield, your central midfielder and your defensive midfielder aren't doing what they need to do and holding up their end of the bargain and your attacking midfielder has to drop back and help out, it's not really fair to say that he's not doing his job because he's having to do somebody else's job. So we've seen that – Almada can do it with no issues. In this game, again, we'll talk about it. Almada was definitely not great. He was sloppy. But I also feel there's a lot of blame to go to other players as well for that. So um, I started the I, I I got uh tagged on Twitter, and you know probably which one I'm I'm looking at right now, Emilio's comment. <laughs> The last one, yep. made us a self-proclaimed tactician. 
<laughs> I said that last week, and then I just randomly got a, a tagged on a tweet last <laughs> night. I look at, it, I go, "Oh no, someone's actually listening to what I say." Hey, that's what happens. <laughs> Put your stuff out on the internet, and it's going to pop back up somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, the subs were great, so give Pineda that yeah. for sure. But I mean, there's a lot of people questioning Pineda on some of the decisions that he makes. Taylor Twelman, we've just happened to get Taylor on a lot of games. Yep. And he is a he's very critical, you know, out of all these Apple announcers, and we've gone I don't even think we've really even touched how many we've combinations we can really get at this point. Because we've been getting a lot of the same, but like when you're listening to them, specifically him, he calls out a lot of a lot of these players that just aren't doing it right. <laughs> I think uh, when when Arizu got the Arizu story came out, I said, "Boy, Atlanta really got lucky with this one." Yep. Or they got lucky again. Yep. It's like, yeah, this is this is this is it again. Snuck in and got another player to buy our our player that was underperforming for us. Yep. No, and and well, and this is, I guess, perfect time to mention it. Do you want to let them know who we're going to have on Thursday? It ain't going to be Taylor Torman. It'll be our yeah. old friend, Jake Zivin. Uh, Jake Jake is is Torman's broadcast partner. If you don't know, he's also he was on the show earlier this season. Um, gave us an awesome shout out in the Nashville game, which was really cool. So, Jake, we appreciate that. Yeah, and he's Taylor, on uh, next week too, right? He's going to be on, they're going to be on tomorrow and against LAFC. So <laughs> you're going to get plenty of Taylor Twelman and Jake Zivin over the next week and a half. It's three straight games. Yep. Wow. So somebody's obsessed with Atlanta. <laughs> I know, right? What is the real secret, Taylor? I have to ask well, Taylor did me. say that he specifically picked out the, the inner Miami game when he, when we had him on, he said, like, I told him that was one of the games I wanted to do. So I wonder how much. How much Taylor's able to uh, like? Does he just they give him like a blank schedule and say pick all the games you want? I'm sure because the LAFC like the last LAFC Atlanta game was actually really good. It was a crazy one out there. Yeah, like that that, that was another like I don't know how good this game is going to like be. It, it could they, be. They might be on a. They might be hung over. They might be hung over like crazy. Right when depending on, on when they get there, but. Yeah, it, it, I, I like having Taylor there. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I, I he's very honest. Yeah. And sometimes he might say some stuff that doesn't make sense. But I think that he that he's very critical and he keeps I think he keeps the team honest. Like yeah. I, I, I like when some of these announcers are very critical of it, not just always just so happy about a yeah. team. No, I totally agree. And yeah, I mean, Renee saying essentially that. As much as much as Twelman can be annoying, he does speak facts sometimes, and that is true. Like I, w- I would if if we had Taylor on right now, I would tell him what he said about Almada. I don't agree with, but I also understand where he's coming from, completely. But if you if you do listen to Taylor and Jake, I mean it's not just Taylor, but um, as the color commentator, Taylor is is going to come out and he he's going to be critical. He's going to be harsh, and I, I I I like that. It's refreshing. It's refreshing because the fan base is patient and sometimes it seems like they're very impatient and and sometimes they are, but like Atlanta, like this summer transfer window is going to be huge for Atlanta in terms of like the overall view that everybody sees this team for the next couple of years. So 
if they hit right, then I think everybody could go back and look and say, all right, there were some bad signings. There was the, the revolving door of coaches. There was all these other things going on, and we can chalk it up to that. But if they go and they have another transfer window where you bring in guys that don't seem to click within a reasonable amount of time, then it's it's going to be a whole other set of, of circumstances and a whole other conversation that we're having. And that's where you want guys like Taylor Twelman coming out and, and being honest on a national stage. Yeah, and they're going to have a lot of room. Like they, they will have some room this summer, thankfully, with Arujo gone. And I think it's going to make some. They're going to make some other moves, and then you're going to have a lot more room this off season as well to continue to build that team that you want. Miles will probably be gone. Josetu will be gone. Like those. Brad Guzan's going to be probably gone. Like those are three players with hefty salaries that all of a sudden you're going to open up and be able to bring in those guys that you want. So it, this is not like a one window, like this is what Atlanta United is going to be for the next two seasons. Like it's going to, it's going to evolve a lot. Um, like we talk about this, you know, next season, right around this time, we should do a prediction. We were just talking about, our Patreon episode, what we were going to record. We were going to do a mid-season grade, uh, like review, and go from there. But I'd like to take down our predictions on who's going to be on the roster or who's not going to be on the roster yeah. to, to start next season, and then let's go back and look at it because I I, I don't think that list is going to be very long at yeah, this point. It's a good thing. It, it's, it's a good thing for sure. But yeah, yeah. We'll we'll even put the coach. We'll even put Pineda and Boca on it. Yeah, if Garth is gone. Then this team just blow it up. Like if, if if Garth ended up leaving after a year, oh man! Please don't don't speak that into this universe. No, no, no. Don't do that. No. Um. So, so yeah. last thing I'll hit on before we do the ratings. All right, because we we talked about it earlier. One of Pineda's quotes from – it was the first question I asked him that night was, was about the intensity, right? Because that was the big buzzword, I think, for a while. And I just asked him about it, like, wh- you know, wh- what's going on with the intensity? Because the team just looked flat. And he agreed. To his credit, he, he agreed. Like, they they saw it. He saw it. They, tried, you know, tried to fix it at the half. But he said, I would, I would say that we switched that word intensity to urgency a couple weeks ago, which I, I missed that memo <laughs> entirely. Um, but it was, he said he felt like there was good effort, but it wasn't enough. And he said it felt like a bit like we were feeling sorry for ourselves. And we talked about that in the first half. Um, but I think one of the things that kind of stood out to me that he said was as they went into the half – they they saw what was so uh, not urgent, I guess, if you want to use his words. And the conversation was had. No subs were made. Then when you come back out, the ones that bring you that urgency were all of your substitutes. They were your Tyler Wolves, your Machop Choles, your Johnny Fortunes, um, your Miguel Berry. So, like... Those were the ones that that really made the difference in this match, and we're going to talk about them here in a minute, a little more in depth. But I just that's got it's got to come from 
the players. It's got to come from the coach. It's definitely a mixed bag for sure. I, I think having Brad Guzan in this lineup made this entire game a totally different match. I think it w- we would be talking about a full-on loss and probably a very frustrating one had Brad Guzan not been on the field just to at least provide what he provides in terms of urgency and getting the team kind of uh, on track because there were moments where the team just looked out of place in every way. I mean, y'all know how I feel about Andrew Gutman. I think he's one of the hardest workers on the pit, on the field, but I thought he had a really bad game, really, really bad game. Um, Was it worse than Sosa? Ah, uh, I mean, individual mistakes. He, he had quite a few, he got, he got beat a handful of times, and one of them was was bad. Uh, he got caught in no man's land, um, and and of course Brad Guzan let him hear it, and he knew he knew he messed up. And he to his credit, he tracked back really well and helped save the the opportunity. But like, it was just stuff like that. It was like where where is the just the norm the fundamentals that we know all these players have? Why is Brad Guzan having to yell that into people? In, in the back, you know? And so the urgency that Pineda talked about, I think is just um, the players have got to figure it out too. Pineda has got to figure out how to bring it every match, not just at home, but the players have got to figure out, like they got to dig deep and figure out what's going on as well, because they just didn't look like even close to what we know that they can do. So anyway, it's my rant, my, my soapbox. So I guess I, I need to apologize here because I didn't realize was that Dan that put Brad Guzan's till twenty five. Twenty five. I did not realize that. I went and I I checked it. I went back to the the roster that they posted online at the beginning of the year and contract status, and he is here another year. Yeah. I, no, I, that's boring. I missed that. like some miraculous trade, which I just don't see that happening. But yes. Um, and there's a lot of conspiracy theories that he was not put on the uh, expansion draft. The the save list. Yeah, because yeah. that was a deal that they made for this. Like, I know he took less money last year, but it went back up this year. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you got I, a year of paying him, well, almost a year. Well, yeah, a full year of paying him less than probably what he was contracted to have. Right. So it's a good uh, show out there. Yeah. I learned some every day. There you go. All right. Player ratings. Sure. All righty. Yes. Cause we're now done with the Orlando recap. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. First one, since we're talking about him anyway, Mr. Bragg is and, and obviously to everybody that's in the, uh, in the chat, we want to hear from you guys as well. We want to know y'all's numbers using your own secret, super awesome player rating formula. Um, but yeah, it's nice to actually be able to rate Mr. Brad Gazan again after so long. All right. 8.5. Okay, cool. Eight. Yeah. All right. I'll go first since I was the low one again. Um, Hit a really, really good save. And really kept the team in it. 
the sprawling out. Yes. Very sprawled out there. Yeah. None of our other short guys get that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he did a great job with the save. He, he stopped a handful of shots. You know, thankfully a lot of them were right at him. The goal that went in, it's kind of hard to put it on him because Ronald Hernandez got beat and then the ball gets pinged around all over the box for like, I felt like 30 seconds. It wasn't, but it felt like a really long time. And then it rolls out to somebody who just is able to put the ball in the back of the net. Like that, and that's what happens when you don't clear your freaking ball. And that's also what happens when you get beat as bad as you did on the, on the wing. So not knocking him for that one at all. Um, I think some of the stuff that he said in the press conference after really helped me understand kind of his mindset. Um, because, you know, it did ask him specifically about the game. Like what could the defense have done better? And he was like, you know, defensively, like we need to be stronger. And he, he said, we know it wasn't good. We know it wasn't good. So like, it's not like we're out here being negative and they're like, things are just sunshine and roses. Like he, they know that that was a crappy game. And I'm sure now that Brad's back in it, I'm, I guarantee you he had already told everybody in that locker room well before he said this to us. But they knew it wasn't great. Um, but he mentioned the overall defensive defensive, defensive attributes of the team right now. And he said they're just – they're not strong enough. And he pointed to it how Atlanta, how the media, us, the fans, everybody wants to always point out that Atlanta is this high-flying attacking team, and that's what they're known for. And he said, you know, we as a defensive unit have to also show that Atlanta is capable of grinding out games and getting these, these tough results on the road and, and keeping clean sheets. And, he, you know, he said that they're not doing that right now. But his goal is to put the – bring back Frank. Oh, man. He taught him how to play defense. He did. He did. I don't think Miles Robinson would be where he's at today if it weren't for Frank DeBoer. I'll just throw that hot take out there. But, but yeah, um, it was good to hear from him. And I think, you know, this was kind of a surprise introduction to have Brad in this lineup in the first place. Really curious to see now that he's for sure back in it and he's ready to go what tomorrow looks like and what, you know, going going forward looks like now that he's fully integrated back into the team. I'm shocked. Bo gave him a six point five. I I don't know. I don't even know what else. You know, I, I, there's a lot of eights and seven point nines, and uh, someone gave, who was it up here gave him a low number for distribution. All right, so AJ uh, AJ six and a half distribution skill still kills us sometimes, but you can't fault the leadership. I've uh, I've personally have just removed distribution from him because we know who he is. <laughs> And we're just used to him just punting it out, you know, 13 rows on, onto the <laughs> sideline. Like, I'm just ready for that at that point. Um, we know that's not a strength of his. But overall, I, I thought that he was solid. Um, I don't think, you know, that someone said that they thought that, that he, he could have saved that first one. I'm not, I mean, it went, I think it went five hole or it was close to it right I around there. I, don't, I can't remember. But it was, it was close around there. Yeah, he probably could have. I mean, he definitely had to sprawl back over to the other side there. And when you're doing that, you're you're left wide open. Unfortunately, he didn't get a lot of help. So, 
overall, though, I mean, he he made a couple nice saves, and he's back, and still just shocked that he's there. But nice showing. Hey, if, if he can continue doing this, I think that we're going to be in good shape. Yeah, things definitely went downhill after he went out. Yes, they did. Uh, Jimothy giving him an eight point one, and then switching it back up, and later saying seven point two actually because that first goal he should have saved. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I don't. I don't think it. I mean, it could have could have saved it. Yes. I just don't feel like you can put it all on him because he never should have been in that position in the first place. Uh, Sonny giving him a seven point nine. The sprawl out was beautiful. Yes, it was. Bo giving him a 6.5. Parzival giving him a 7. And then, and then we got Zilf, some Pineda and Boca ins. Zilf coming in, Pineda in, and Boca in. Um, <laughs> and Zilf's in the chat now. Yep, here we go. And then um, my son gave him an 8.9 because he was watching the game and he, he feels like he was great. What a homer. <laughs> Fought Mob gave him a 6.9. <laughs> nice nice here nice. we go hot mob coming in hot today all right moving on from the bald wall to the goal scorer himself tyler wolf the wolf man one of the wolf pack who made that pass to chole uh to i get think him? it was almada okay was it i think it was almada if anybody knows uh, in the chat to confirm, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Almada. And man, Machop. <laughs> Golden opportunity. Anyway, Tyler That would have been sweet. Yeah. That would have been sweet. All right. I'm going to give him a non. And you give him a Limited nine. time, but like, you know, like when someone comes in late and does something and people are like, how could you give him a nine? Like, you can only judge him on his time on the field. And I thought he looked a lot more dangerous. Than what who came out before him, NTN, right? Like he, he looked better. Now Orlando was gassed. I think they, they were they looked really gassed yeah. um, in that last twenty minutes. But we can only judge him for what he did, and I thought that he he, he did obviously what he needed to. He scored a goal. Nobody's stopping that. Nobody's stopping that shot. There's there's no keeper that that, that would stop that from there. Okay. So I mean, good to him. Good for him and. Do it again. Yeah. Keep it up. That's my thing. And, and I'm just, I'm happy for him. And I think if I, if I, if I had to ding him on anything, knock him down a, a half a point or whatever, it would be, if you guys saw it, I don't know if it was on the broadcast, but Brad Guzan was absolutely eating somebody alive at the end of that match. And it was Tyler Wolf because Tyler Wolf was getting caught too far ahead, letting, uh, Orlando's right wing, far too forward. It's kind of the stuff that we talked about earlier. Um, so maybe defensively, not quite on point, but Bragazan was back there to chew him out and, and help him out a little bit. But um, I go back to what Tyler was saying at the end of the match. And, I mean, again, talking about taking advantage of opportunities for sure. But he pointed out specifically what you're talking about. That shot is so hard to save. And – it took a deflection, and yeah, Dan Graham, Dan saying in the in the chat that slight deflection is what made it unstoppable. Yes, it was still going to be tough, regardless, because it was 
it was going exactly where he wanted to put it. And he said after the match, specifically, I was aiming near post and top of the net because I know that's hard for goalkeepers to save. Pedro Galese may have gotten a fingertip on it, may have knocked it out over the top for a corner. Who knows? But the deflection, you, you never get it if you don't take the shot, right? The deflection just was perfect. So, uh, Michael Scott said that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It just the, kid, the kid's got some momentum right now. And you talk about the hot hand. He scored in Open Cup, a couple of MLS matches now, a couple of MLS Next Pro matches now. So let him, let him cook. Let him go out there and, and see what he can do. I don't mind him being a super sub. I mean, quote, super sub. <laughs> super sub. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's nice to have an option off the bench that is at least on a hot streak. So, all right, who do we got? Um, Zilf Sam Wolf gets a seven, but he didn't watch the game. Parseval saying seven and a half since he wasn't on that long. AJ giving an eight. Uh, can't complain. Got he was on the field for ten minutes. Got a got a goal. Bo getting a seven and a half to an eight. Throwing out the the in between there. Jimothy giving him a six point nine. Nice, nice. Um, let's see. And parts of all fixing the score here saying per last week, nine is a brace, 10 is a hat trick. So yeah, this is why our super scientific ratings are so scientific. Um, <laughs> eight, but Wolf gave two back to Gazan to make him stop yelling at him. So he equals a six. Cool. I like it. All right. So, We've talked about one of the subs, but now to rate... Oh, I'm sorry. Fought Mob gave him a 7.3. Okay. So, not bad. Uh, the next one is going to be the subs as a whole. So, we talked about Tyler Wolf. Now, we're going to talk about Azani Fortune, Machop Chol, and Miguel Berry as one unit because, in my opinion, they brought something that was severely lacking in this match as a unit. So... As a group, I think all the I think you have to. I think you have to include somebody in that rating, besides those three. Pineda. Yes, who? You Pineda. do. You do. I th I think that he's. You're also rating ranking him because you put a lot of youth in a lot. Yeah. Late in the game in a hostile environment. Very. And they look decent. Yeah. Um. And hostile is is definitely maybe underwhelming a bit. Like it, that place was in that second half, it was very, very like uh, Brad Guzan is is a consummate professional because every time that man took a goal kick, the 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 PA announcer had to come on and tell the fans to stop shouting, to stop chanting, "You suck." A hole every time. So to have the PA announcer come on and tell them to stop saying that is enlightening. Wait, are you changing the word or, or are they literally just saying you suck a hole? 
No, they. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep it PG ish. Well, no, no. Like I'm, I'm. I maybe I'm just not. Maybe I'm just not awake. Like, was did they just say ass? Well, no. I mean, they say hole too. Oh, they say that's you. A dumb, that, that's a dumb chance. Stuck... Yeah. All right, fine. I'll no, just say really. you. It, it's it, not even it, creative. It, it, like it's the goal, the goal kick. Well, it's you stuck asshole. Like that's not even funny. Like I, no, I don't even not, like. But like, it's that's well, that's why do. I was questioning you because it's just so dumb. Like that, I wasn't even. I, I thought it was like you were saying that, and it was like it was a code word for something else. No, that's what they say. Oh man, they they suck a hole because and then, and that's then, a terrible <laughs> chant. It really is bad. And then like the fact that the PA announcer Daddy has to come on and be like, "Y'all don't say that," is ridiculous. So okay, well, I yeah. give their fans a two for their stupid chance, yeah, but I give I the mid, I give the subs in Pineda an eight, hey. or Infinity, whatever one you Even want to call it. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, I, I think I will. T- so I'll talk about Pineda first. The moment, and I, I'm not trying to be rude, but the moment that he took Yakimakis off and put Miguel Barrio on, I thought the game was over. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a like just conceding the match and saying I can't get my players to freaking wake up and play. So I'm taking Yakamakis out to save him. He just got tackled, probably should have been a freaking red card. Um I'm gonna pull him off, save him for Wednesday. <laughs> no, I don't. I do not hate Barry. I actually really like Barry. I like the guy. That's that's not what I just heard a minute ago. <laughs> but continue. Just wanted to make um, sure that everybody saw that. Yeah, go ahead. For all those that are listening after the fact, you can <laughs> go watch it live, I guess. Sorry, um, I had to write that. No, but I, I just thought it was it was not the move. Now, I, I totally understand where Pineda's coming from. And I, because I asked him, why did you, you know, what was the whole idea? Did he get hurt in that tackle? Or what, like, what's going on? He said, no, I'm being extremely careful, super careful. He's getting ready to go to the Greek national team, in case you didn't know. Um, soon, he's going to be traveling across the world. He's had the hamstring, a lot of factors involved, just trying to be super careful. And he said, he said, if I could keep Yakimakis on the field all the time, I would never take him off. So, I get it. You put in Miguel Berry, you put in... A Johnny Fortune in the midfield. You put in Machop Joel. And of course, Tyler Wolf is included in that, but we already talked about him. Um, I thought they brought energy. The young guys brought energy that the the professionals, I mean they're all professionals, but the you know, the experienced guys were not bringing. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of air quotes today. Uh, and I just it was it was good to see. We asked Tyler about it after the match. What, like, what was your mindset when you went on? What did, what, what were you told to do? And he said, "No, I wanted to bring the energy. I knew that their right back was tired, so I planned on running at him a bunch. I planned on making a bunch of off the ball runs, you know, to try to, to try to, you know, make something happen." And I'm like, "That's so refreshing to hear because that was not there before those subs were made." So credit to Pineda for making them. Credit to all of them for, even though they were, you know, missed a couple opportunities. The fact that they brought the energy is what changed that entire match. Barry had his best chance as an Atlanta United player. Yes. So that that's nice to see. Yeah. And he, he, he cooked like three guys 
on one. Yeah. Twelman was pretty impressed. He's like, I thought he was just going to let it go out of bounds, like have him push it, you know, out. But no, he, he, he tried his best there and it was, it was beautiful. It was yeah. nice, to, nice to see that. But now hopefully he sees what, what you talked about him and wrote on my dry erase board and he <laughs> scores his first goal tomorrow. Yes. When do we get worried about Yakimakis's health? Uh, I mean, now, based on what Pineda has said, I would say after the next international window. I think I think it says a lot about how he feels about his striker position right now to come out publicly and say, I don't want to have to take him off, but I, I am because I'm being super careful with him long-term. So I get it. It does suck in the sense that you're, you're only getting, you know, 60 minutes or so of your leading goal scorer um, every match. And, Unfortunately, that's something that's either either Miguel Berry's got to change, Eric Lopez has got to come back soon and, and make a difference, or the front office is going to have to do something else in the summer window. Because if if he can't play because they're being that careful that you have to then put on guys that aren't scoring, that's a problem. Teams are learning. They're following them a little bit more and more every week. Yeah. Yep. So... All right, my children giving the subs an 11 out of 10. So they've been having too much sugar today, apparently. <laughs> um, Homers. <laughs> uh, Dan saying, I'm not high on Fortune, but he had his best performance against the Kitties. I agree. I think he did really, really well in that match. Um, I do like Fortune. I think he, I think he had a really bad game at the Open Cup, and I saw his reaction after it, and he was visibly, visibly upset very upset after that match. Um, but he had a great game against Orlando. Uh, let's see. Sonny giving him an 8.5. They capitalize on Orlando's fatigue. Really proud of him. Parzival giving Pineda an 8.9. Uh, Would have given him a 9.3 if they won. Emilio saying the subs were responsible for the point. AJ saying seven and a half. Fortune did really well. So good to see Chol just run into defense and create chances without cutting inside like every other winger. And Barry actually had a shot. Wow. Uh, Jimothy, 8.5. Zilf calling me out saying he's, he's, he's canceling the subscription because I, I use the cuss word. That's okay. It had to happen at some point. Um, Didn't even use a good one. What's that? Didn't even use a good one. Like uh, you're gonna I cuss, like, like I, I could have dropped one, but I had to repeat what these freaking crap Orlando fans said. Renee saying I was at the game in the Atlanta supporter section, and they made us wait to leave the stadium because of past fan experiences. They also had to escort us into the stadium, which, yeah, I mean, that tells you exactly who you're dealing with. It's um, so stupid. Yeah. It's sports. Yeah. Yep. Idiot. I agree. Uh, Bo saying the subs get an eight. Let's see. Ariel saying, my question is, why don't they have the energy all the time? 
Uh, in the early days, we would be hyped the entire match. Even though Tito would get gas in 15 minutes, he still went for it. That's that's the problem that they've got to fix. They've got to figure out how to how to bring that energy the entire time. Um, all right, and Bruno giving an 8.2. Cool. Uh, really quick, I'll give you their rating. So Machop Joel getting a 6.1. Uh, I mean, be harsh for missing that one shot, but I because I actually thought he was pretty pretty good, you know. Uh, a Johnny Fortune also getting a six point one, and then who am I missing? Barry, Yale Barry. Let's see if Thought Mob wants to cooperate with me. No, it does not. I don't even want to pull up Miguel Barry. I see how it is. Thought Bob giving him a six. See, look at that. They just shafted him anyway. Even six. All right. Uh, let's see. Last one. Going to be Tiago Almada. Oh boy. And I know there's going to be plenty of 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 opinions with this one. That one cross he brought in was real nice. What's that? That one cross he brought in was real nice. Yeah. It went off someone's head. I remember who it was. Yeah, there was just, unfortunately, there was so much other stuff that stood out to me in this match with Almada. Um, I, I feel bad <laughs> because he's such a good player. Well, Zilf gave him a 10, so... We know that, you know, speaking of homers. Oh, look at that. Talking about homers. One of my sons gave him a five. One of them gave him a six. So they're just trying to prove me wrong now. <laughs> All right. Here we go. 5.7 for me, 6.9 for Tommy. All right, I'm clearly going first on this one. Uh, Almada's worst day is still better than most players, but I've got to I've got to rate him on what we know he can do, and he's always going to put in a good ball. He's always going to put in a good cross. My biggest problem with him in this match was he stalled so many attacks. Not that Atlanta had many. But he stalled so many attacks because he tried to do too much. He tried to keep the ball way too long. And some of that is on your, your attacking, you know, quartet, your other guys that are supposed to be up there to give you someone to pass to. But he had options in a lot of these opportunities. And he just he tried to take everybody on by himself. And I get it. As an attacking midfielder, you're trying to open up space and, and open up space, especially for your Yakamakis or you know, one of your wingers making a run inside, but he he got dispossessed a handful of times in this match just from dribbling straight at defenders and just wasn't his best showing. Uh, I, I, I do disagree with Taylor Twelman. I don't think it was that he's not doing his job. I think a lot of that has to do with, um, again, the rest of the midfield not doing their job. But in terms of when he had the ball, he just – wasn't as 
Tiago Almada ish as he normally is. And so that's that's my biggest complaint. Is that a verb? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah, I'm gonna put that in the dictionary. I'll I put mean, Lionel Messi's picture right next to it. You know, everything's kind of tied together. Zil put in here earlier about when do we worry about the defense? When do we worry about the offense? When do we worry about Almada? The support around him is alarming at points. You maybe put him on LAFC, and it's crazy, right? I mean, yep. you can say that with a lot of players if you move him to someone else, but he's doing a lot. He, he's doing more than pro- he probably he needs to, and he really should be focusing more on the offensive side of the ball, and he's not able to do that. I'm frustrated for him because I think that he wants, you know, he, he sees this team and he sees that somebody needs to step up. Right. I think we all know Yakamakis isn't at a hundred percent and he, he's trying his best here and he's seen it enough where maybe he's making that perfect pass and it's still, it's still given up by the other players. And he's just, he's trying to do a lot and I can understand why, you know, watching the last month of this team. So in, in a way, I, I respect a little bit of what he's trying to do. Um, he needs some more help. And I think that when Sadich comes back and Ibarra comes back in here, even just next week, I think just getting Ibarra back in the lineup yeah. is going to be, or tomorrow, sorry, uh, getting Ibarra back in the lineup is going to be huge because I think he knows it's a little less responsibility on his side. So I... I I, I think you're going to see a better game from him coming against New England. Yeah. Um, in, in the chat, Zilf gave him a 10. <laughs> Bruno, five and a half. Ingest gave him a four. Jimothy gave him a 3.1. AJ giving him a five, saying one of his worst games, unfortunately. Dan saying seven, but mostly because his teammates didn't help him 100%. Uh, Parzival saying seven. He did some good stuff, but didn't seem as as he was able to do much because of how Orlando had him locked down. And that's, that's a bigger problem in general, because teams know that if they can shut Almada down, they're going to stifle Atlanta's attack. And that's something that the wingers <laughs> have to figure out. That's something that your number eight has to figure out. Uh, and, and, and yeah, like, you know, I always talk about the eye test and the stats the eye test in this one was he wasn't that great. And, and again, it's not all his fault. We look at the stats. I mean, and the stats are still like he, he had his crosses were, if he had seven, only three of them were accurate. He had three out of five accurate long balls. Um, he was dispossessed according to fought mob three times. Uh, he got dribbled past a couple of times. He was less than 50% on his ground duels that he won. Um, 81% passing accuracy, 63% successful dribbles. It's like, you know, it just wasn't the greatest. You're still getting the ball moving forward out of him, but nowhere near to the degree and and to the, I think, crispness that you, you typically see out of Almada. So that's fair. Um, all right, cool. So, and, and for Fop Mob's purposes, they gave him, <laughs> I just saw this. They gave him a 7.2. Uh, 
<laughs> Guess who they gave a 7.4? Think about everybody that we've talked about and what they brought to the game. Guess who they gave a 7.4? Etienne? Nope, they gave Etienne a 7.2 as well. They gave Santiago Sosa a 7.4. They gave, hmm. and again, I, lo I love my man to death, but he had a rough game. They gave Andrew Gutman, he was the highest rated player, gave him a 7.6. So definitely saw a couple mistakes on that goal against uh, Sosa. Uh, definitely could have moved up a little bit to, to prevent it. Gutman was also part of that play as well. It yeah. was just a series of bad mistakes by a few of them. Yep. 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 All right. Um, so we got some things to talk about. Now that we're done with player ratings and we're done with Orlando completely. Thank God. Stupid chance. Yeah. Freaking chance. Ridiculous. That wasn't even all of them. I'll spare you all the details on the other ones. Uh, I don't know if you got to watch the whole game today, but if you did, enlighten us. Caleb Wiley. Back doing his thing with the U.S. Game was fun. Like, USA's been great. Like, they've been solid throughout this entire tournament. Wolf had a nice goal. For sure. I don't remember if did Caleb get an assist? I don't I'll check. I don't I'll, I'll I don't know if they gave it to him or not. I don't know if they um, did. But, but he had a few nice passes um in there, but solid overall. I forgot how long this tournament goes. Like I know it's not like long, but like it feels long when your player that you want to play in your starting lineup, it feels like forever. Yeah. We need him back for, for sure. But he's continuing to do well defensively. He, he's made some nice plays so far in the tournament and they move on. I think they move on to Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check it now. Um, I want to um, say it's Sunday. Because you had, you had, so you had Cade Cowell. They got another goal. Owen Wolf got the, I think the opener, that little <laughs> dinky shot that probably should never went in. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're the only team that hasn't conceded a goal all tournament. They've got 10 under their belt right now. So, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're, they're doing, they're taking care of business. Um, June 4th. There you go. June 4th. If yeah, so sun Sunday at five o'clock. Sweet. Um, so potentially could go all the way until June eleventh, which is when the last set of games are. So I would love to see the U.S. go all the way. I would love to have Caleb Wiley back as well, but at this point, June eleventh is kind of all relative, I think. But yeah, I mean, no, it's specifically about Caleb though. Like, it's good to see him. He's He's got a goal. Um, he's playing well. He's being rated very highly by every article, every outlet that I've read has been giving him props, giving him shout outs. So, you know, the, the price of the brick is going up. It's going up. And I hope that Atlanta keeps a hold on to him for a while because I don't think we need to sell every single player uh, that comes through that's talented. You got to start keeping some of these young guys for a little while, not not to stifle them or anything like that, but you got to be a little selfish as well. 
you 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 have literally Caleb Wiley is your guy. He has been here for so long. Be selfish with him. Let him get the experience in the the World Cups and the you know the national team stuff. He's getting first team minutes consistently now. He's become a crucial part of it. You see what you've got without him right now. I don't think you unless there's just an amazing offer that comes is too good to let to let to let go. You got to hang on to him. You have to hang on yeah. to him. Yeah. 100%. Like he US Twitter, USA team Twitter will tell you different. But you don't have, like you shouldn't feel bad unless you're not giving him the playing time. Everybody was freaking out about Miles for for a couple years and it's like he's he's playing every every game. Right. And like he goes somewhere else and he's sitting on the bench. They might not want to play him when it's time to get to the World Cup because he yep. doesn't have the minutes. He's he's not in, in shape for it. So I, I'm I'm fine with holding on to him, you know, for at least another year after this and, and see where it goes. But you got a lot of young talent coming up as well. So I think we're going to be OK. But this is how teams in MLS teams that don't spend like we do that are successful, they have some of these players and they hold on to them for a while. Yep. And that's where, that's where your Philadelphia unions um, and to a degree like the Dallas's, that's why they're able to keep their, their budget so low because they're not paying exorbitant amounts of money to superstars. They are and, and to a degree, but not anywhere close to what it like Atlanta is, is paying you get that amount of output from a homegrown and that's that's just money in the bank so you got to be selfish with them for a while 100 percent um dan saying I'm, I'm selling caleb if it's a greater than six million dollar offer i mean for sure like that's you get something like that and, and that's that's hard to turn down but i'm not i'm not having another george bellow type situation here like that you know, you, you've got to get what the, the guy's worth. And Caleb Wiley is, especially right now, he's got it. He He's going to do just fine wherever he goes. But, again, there's nothing wrong with Atlanta hanging on to him and letting him become a staple of this team for the next couple of seasons. I mean, look what they're doing with Miles now. Maybe it's a little bit too late, but, like, Miles is, you know, everywhere, right? They're selling him. You know, he's on billboards. Um, a lot of the promotional things that they're giving out has Miles Robinson. I said earlier on the season, like, I thought they might do something like this to try to keep him to stay. I know that's not enough to do it, but, like, at least make the attempt and try to, and then, you know, continue to throw your best offer out. Yep. The Bellow situation was, was a weird one, too, because wasn't his contract, like, getting close to being up anyways, and they wanted to make some money on him? Or am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, he was it was getting close, um, but I actually agree with Zilf. Now, I, I don't know if I'll say that he ruined his career, but he definitely like he stimmied his career for a significant amount of time. Because, yeah, you 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 had other offers, I think, for teams that probably would have fit better, and then you end up going to Armenia Billafield, that was already not looking great and on the verge of getting relegated then they get relegated then you go into this season they're now relegated they're in the second division and now they're getting relegated again 
So two back-to-back seasons, you leave. You go there because you wanted to go. It was Bellow's choice. He preferred to go there. And now he is essentially going to be playing third-tier soccer in Germany. So is what it is. Totally different topic. Totally different conversation. You just hope that he can get away from Armenia at some point. Because there was rumors that he was going to go to like the championship in England, and I think that would be a good fit for him for sure. Uh, also, Atlanta still has a sell-on clause. So wherever he does go, Atlanta's going to get a cut of wherever, you know, whatever that, that purchase amount is. So there's still a reason to kind of keep an eye on George Bellow and, and hope for his success, even if you're just being selfish and thinking about money. But, like, yeah, Zilf saying he's not even playing right now. It's just he definitely – he he put a crutch – in, in his career for the next couple of years. He fudged up. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on from Caleb Wiley and George Bellow. You got to listen to Garth Lagerway today. I have not heard this yet. But tell us about Garth Lagerway on 92 on the game. Yeah, he was on last week. Uh, they were basically talking about the Arruja transfer. Said a lot of things that we said, like it's a, it's a perfect situation for for both the team and Aruju to go home. But then they asked, you know, what are you looking for? Are you looking like like for like for like player? And he said that his main focus is um, the heart of the team, the center of the team, which makes you think that it's that he's looking to improve the midfield. And I think that's exactly what this team needs. That's what we said. Like you could go for a like for like, and I think that's that's the easy way of doing it here, but the midfield has just been so blah for a while now. And then you look at it and who knows what's going to happen with Amada too. So if you don't have Amada and then you don't have anyone else that you're adding on there, it's really going to be a mess. So I think that they're doing the right thing here. You know, it it sounds like we're going to, we should start hearing some rumors about the midfield soon. Like that's, I guess that's where we got to start paying attention is where, where the rumor is going to come. What position is it going to be at? I still think that we get a winger at some point here, Yeah. but you know, I mean, Garth was, he's very honest and that's, that's what I like. You know, they also asked him about, you know, is Orlando really a rivalry? And that was, you know, yeah, he, he basically just said, you could say it is, but really you look at who you know, the attendance, even like he was just talking about attendance wise, like you're looking at Charlotte, you're looking at Nashville and what they're putting in there. And especially the games we've been having against, you know, both those teams recently. Yeah, it's we're leaning more towards that. But I think he is basically he's he's said since he's come in that the midfield has always been, you know, a, a huge concern here. You know, Panita will Diana's sword with this midfield and, and talk about how great it is. But I think getting that, that guy in the right guy in there is going to help everybody. Now, if you have two DP slots open here, that's going to really make things interesting. Yeah. And, and then I still think that you go and you, you, you completely still stick in the midfield and continue just to build that with, with two TPs. And like Zill said, get a Tam, you know, right wing, hundred percent. Like, I think that's exactly what you need to do there. And then you'll have more room next season to be able to continue to rebuild that midfield and hopefully be able to move some of those guys around. The only trick is 
that if you do get rid of Almada, you've got a, you've got limitations on who you're able to bring in at that DP spot because of his age. Like that's where you'd have to get really creative. If you want to bring in just anybody, you'd have to move other players out to be able to move in another player like that. So they've got a hard. They've got like this summer coming up. They've they've got to make a lot of decisions that you know, especially long term. I do think if they have two DP slots open, they 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 fill both, unless there's really something not there for them, and maybe get really desperate to try to move two U22s out if that's really what you want to do there. But they're definitely going to be wheeling and dealing this offseason. So I expect us to be in a lot of rumors. And I still think we should go find someone else from MLS. Yeah. There's a lot of MLS players that are cheap. Like, Sadage, you know, people trash Sadage a lot. But you need a guy like him. And, like, he's he's probably one of your best options right now to start. Like that's a very cheap option for the position that he plays. Just go look at the the rosters that were, or the the roster you know uh, evaluations and how much each team or each player is making. Like it's just he's he's a deal. He's a steal. Yeah. You know, and he got he got paid a little bit extra, you know, from last year as well. So and it was well deserved as well. You know, Parzel's asking is Miles the next DP? I think we most agree that it's he's not. Uh, you know, Taylor, when he was on as well with us, he said, you know, the league really doesn't value center backs as DPs, unfortunately. And unless they change the rules, he's out. But that's sad. I, I, you should value them. And a lot of them are just going to continue to leave because they're not going to be able to get the money that they want. But that's MLS. And again, Taylor, like mentioned, maybe they change the roster rules in the next couple of years. I could see them making a change this summer. Like, I, I think that with how much money Apple has involved, I don't know what the ratings look like. I haven't looked. Every time I feel like I, I see an article that talks about ratings, I feel like it's just a clickbait on trashing yeah, MLS. That, I don't think they've actually put anything true out anyway. No, but you want to continue to grow this league. And when you see talents leaving, and like Apple has a huge stake in this as well. So I hope there's some smart people in there that yep. look at it and say, why is this guy leaving? I understand, like, they, they probably under, know what this league's about, but you could keep a player like a Miles Robinson here if you were able to offer him significantly amount of, of more money. But unfortunately, it's just not working that way right now. So, yep. yeah, I, I, I think that they, they all get together and evaluate the entire league. You know, the schedule, we've talked about the schedule at length, you know, especially over the last couple of months and just how it's working. Or maybe how it's not working. I think more, but I think that you're gonna you're gonna see something completely revamped going into next season as far as the schedule and possibly the roster rules. Again, we, we talk about uh, leagues cup, right, and how that could completely, depending on how MLS does, completely change everything. Yep. So if <laughs> Atlanta's out, smashed. yeah. If Atlanta's out, just root for any any non MLS team. Yeah, just root for the <laughs> yeah, just root for him because, you know, that's how change happens, you know, is you have to get embarrassed to, to get some change. Yeah, and, and Jimothy saying, I wish they'd just allow teams a fourth DP slot as long as they're a defender. I mean, it's not a that's, bad shout. I've um, never even thought of that, to be honest. Yeah. Like, that's that's just a crazy rule. Like, but MLS is a bunch of series, a series of stupid rules anyways. Yeah. But that would fit so just, Miles, like his situation to a 
like perfect. Like I, I think that would be, you know, really, I think they should just let it freaking spend money anyway. Salary cap is fine, but increase the salary cap. Let teams sign who they want to sign. Period. Well, MLS wants more goals, so maybe that's maybe why they wouldn't do something like this. That maybe that is true. Conspiracy. They do like theory. chaos. They do like chaos. Yep. Um, Get rid of League's Cup. Some... We haven't even seen League's Cup yet. <laughs> <laughs> we got to at least see what how it goes down first. Ozzy Alonso. They they announced today that he's close. Maybe yep. next week, along with Sadage. So that's exciting. And that's you know it's funny because we talk about Ozzy. I think you got to be grounded and remember that like he is still coming off an ACL injury, devastating injury. So you you can't just think, all right, he's going to come back and he's going to save the season. However, you're not asking him to be an incredibly physical presence out there. You're asking him to be the general, which is what that midfield has been missing for a long time. When Ozzy was on the pitch last year, the, the team looked really good in the short amount of time that he was there. If he can bring that leadership back in the midfield, then I think you're looking at a totally different, even if it's just to close out games or to start game, whatever, to get the team in the right direction in a match. That's the kind of guy that you want. Undefeated with him in the lineup, I think. I think so. Yeah. I think it was like he didn't play Colorado draw or something like that. Yeah. That was no. the game where he had the heart issue. And he yeah. didn't play. Yep. And then he came back and played and then he got hurt. Yeah. Oh, 2022. Um, all right. So tomorrow hit all of that news. Now moving forward to the game for tomorrow, New England Revolution. They're struggling too, relatively. I mean, it's funny that we're talking about struggling. Like Atlanta's in fifth, New England's above Atlanta, but they haven't looked great either. So, I mean, New England's always going to be a tough team because they have guys that if you give them an opportunity, they'll make you pay. Carlos Hill, obviously, is the big name that pops up. But you're at home. If you win this match, the standings are vastly different come Thursday morning. Depending on which way things go, they're really, really good for Atlanta. But, I mean, even if you go and you take care of your own business tomorrow, you're jumping New England in the standings. So you're already improving, and you're, you're sitting yourself back up where you should be anyway. you got to win this match. I say it every every week. What that's the whole point of this game, right? To win the matches. But like home. Home. You have to win this match. Cause then you then you're going to play LAFC, and that's a wild card right now. So I think if you get a point out of LAFC, you're happy. But you've got to get three off of New England at home. Yeah. So you've got uh Carlos Hill, Tiago Mata, two of the best playmakers really in the in the league. Um, some some quick fun facts: Atlanta just keeps racking them up, but they're now sitting at twelve goals from set pieces, which leads the league. Um, second is LAFC in Nashville with nine. 
Uh, Atlanta also leading the league in open play goals inside the box at 23. It's wild to think that they've scored 23 goals in the box. Uh, second place with that is Columbus and St. Louis tied at 21. So the opportunities are there. You've been putting them away at home. If Brad Gazan can come out there and make a big difference tomorrow for the defense, and, and I don't just mean shot stopping, I mean keeping things organized, getting the, the back line back on track and the midfield to a degree, then your chances are, are pretty good. So it, it, it's, it's a tough one, but this is a, this is a match that Atlanta should win. Almada and Lennon still leading the league mostly in uh, chances created. Almada sitting at 44, and and that's first place. And then Brooks Lennon tied for third at 33. So you're getting plenty of service. you got a guy out there who knows what to do with the ball now when Yakimakis is playing. So you're, you're, you're sitting pretty with your attack as long as they bring the energy, urgency, intensity, whatever – synonym you want to use uh you, you've got a you've got a good shot at this one tomorrow crowd will be there crowd will hopefully be into it and you just go and you handle business i'd love to see another you know 2017 touchdown against new england but that might be pushing it yeah I, I, you're again you're facing another team that has injuries that you're at home this is a situation where you absolutely have to win. And these are the games where I think you become more critical of the team and Pineda if they don't show up. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, you're on the road. MLS teams suck on the road. It's, it's very rare that you that you win on the road. Okay. But can you get the lead early? And that's what's going to be important for Atlanta. Because their confidence goes up a, a lot. And and they can't. This this team has never been good coming back um, down, unless it's like in the last thirty seconds of the game to yeah. get some crazy play that happens. Historically, teams just go bunker, and Atlanta has a hard time getting through it. They got to score early here, and that intensity, whatever word you want to use, urgency. If it's not there, then I'm looking at these players and saying they might not be the right players for this team. Yeah. Five weeks, you have heard the same spiel. When When is the point where you start saying, this guy is just not going to... What What is going to bring that intensity here? Like, other teams have midweek games, so that's not an excuse. Like, how do you get outplayed? And I want to like throw this card out here, but if you're one of the biggest clubs, right, in this country, you are with attendance, you are with merchandise sales, you're pretty much in everything you lead the league in, right? The players that come in need to be playing. And you're definitely overpaying some of these players. And, and I don't mean overpay, but like Atlanta United has always given a little bit more than what other teams have, right? And if it's not working, then I think they're on a list of you got to move out. At the end of the year, we might move you. Or we might move you in the summer. Maybe it's just not working. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, that's why I'm really curious, just going back to that summer window, like what Lagerway is going to do. He, I mean, he might be 
you know, like the Godfather and just start cutting people left and right. We don't know. We know he wants to make moves and you're going to have to move some guys out <laughs> to make those moves, I think. So it's going to be really interesting, but I do agree. Like he gets to a point where, yes, a lot of it falls on Pineda, 100%, coach in general. Absolutely. And maybe it's it's just me being me and like my background, but like if you're going to go do your job, go do it 100%. Don't go and give it some half, you know, halfway kind of effort. Like go out, play your game, do your job that you know you can do and give it 100%. And you got to get that from yourself, not from anybody else. You know, Pineda could walk in the locker room tomorrow and start throwing chairs and flipping tables and everything else. Maybe he needs to. I don't know. But, like, if if the players just don't want it, then they don't want it, and there's nothing a coach can do to fix that. So, who knows? We'll see. There's some that you could argue maybe that's how they are, and there's others that, you know, they just have a bad game or a bad couple of games. But I think you've seen enough for most of this team throughout the season and last season, if we want to go back that far, in terms of who – does want to be here and who's kind of like whatever kind of eh about it. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it'll be really, really curious kind of to see how all that plays out. So what's your prediction? You know, you said that and, and I, a three nil, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Three nil. Wow. Atlanta. Yeah. Um, you asked me to go more detailed than that. I'm gonna say Yak. I'm gonna say Yakimakis, Almada again, and Gutman will be the third, or okay. one of the three. So I'm gonna say two one. Okay. It's gonna get scary at the end. Please no. <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be 2-1. Uh, this team has its mental breakdowns too often for clean sheets. I know they've gotten a few, but I, I, I don't see it at the moment that they can keep a clean sheet right now. The lineup... I don't, I, Abram, like as much as I want to see him, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, like and you, you I would hear also... Pineda talk, but like you hear him talk, and like he he wants consistency, and Parada's your consistency, right? Like that's who he is. Like that's that's his guy, and I, I don't see him taking him out at, at this point. And if you're a problem, you got to be upset. You think like, I mean, I know he's cashing checks, but like you want to yeah, play. He is. <laughs> You want to play, and your your two random games that you started were an Open Cup, uh, U.S. Cup game, and then you had the game where everybody basically switched over, and like that wasn't a fair, a fair moment for him because right. the whole the whole team was was crazy. But I I would like to, I would like to see those Miles and 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 uh, Abram back there, and then get obviously get Ibarra back in, and you don't have much of a choice. You, you've got to start Zetu, and um, the, the question is, is, is Tyler Wolf or Entian? And if you're going by what 
Pineda says, I think that he gives NTN another chance. Yeah. I think he does. I, I don't think he, he moves away from him and keep Brooks on the right and everything else. And I, we just have to keep watching Yakamakis. Like I, I, I hate when a new player comes into a team and you don't know when he goes down, if it's legit or not. Yeah. Like you don't know their, their style, right? Like you're going to jump right back up or are you going to act like you just got sniped from the top <laughs> of the bends? Like, and yeah, I mean, he's gone down a few times and he's held the same leg. Like I'm paying attention now to which leg he's holding just to make sure like it's that one. And it's always that one. Yeah. So I'm worried. I'm worried. To be fair, the, the tackle that he took against Orlando was rough and Agreed. it should have been a lot more than it was. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's why I would even caution people tomorrow and, and we'll do our lineup chat as we do on Instagram live for those who just want to, hop over there for five minutes and talk about it and chat real quick. But I I don't think it's going to happen, but I would not be surprised if Miguel Berry starts tomorrow. If Yakamakis does start, I don't think he goes longer than 60 minutes based on what Pineda has said, you know, the other night. I mean, specifically when I asked him about Yakamakis, he was very, very adamant that he's being overly cautious with him because I think he understands what happens if they lose Yakamakis for any significant amount of time, what that's going to do to this team. So uh, other quick stats real quick. The last four to five games in 2023, Atlanta's one, two and two. The revs are one, two and one Atlanta sitting tied for second and goals scored at 10. And the Revs tied 13th at six. So we already know Atlanta score goals. They should be able to do that at home. Um, goals allowed. Atlanta is 25th with nine. And the Revs are tied for 20th at eight. So we obviously, Atlanta, we know Atlanta can be scored on, but so can the Revs. So, again, favors Atlanta, at least to a degree. The, the wild card here with that is Brad Gazambian back. It'll be really curious to see. You know, I think I think the biggest thing for this team, besides a win tomorrow, would be keeping a clean sheet. That'd be huge for this team. So, uh, Atlanta first <laughs> over the past four or five matches in shots at 81, and the Revs in 26th with for 42 shots. So, and then shots on goal, Atlanta got 27, their they're second, and the Revs tied for 24th and 14th. So, like, it, that's, again, a lot of your stats, your numbers, if you want to go into detail about that, um, they favor Atlanta in this match. And they favor them more, I think, when you talk about the fact that Atlanta's at home. So, yeah, and then Dan basically put the injury list out here. Six players remain out with injuries. Dylan Barrero, ACL, Brandon Bay, left shoulder. That's a big one. Nacho Hill, right leg. That's another big one. Henry Kessler, hamstring surgery. Masiel, left Achilles. And Tommy McNamara, left leg. Um, and then Damian Rivera on international duty. So your Is biggest Chicago threat tomorrow. Bo still hurt? What's that? Wasn't Bo hurt? Gustavo Bo? Uh, yeah. He was for a bit. I think he's back now. Okay. Um, 
but then yeah so so you you're gonna have and and you'll see i'm sure plenty of uh carlos hill tomorrow because he's going to be the main one he's going to be your your tiago amada for the revs so it'll be curious uh to see what atlanta's midfield can do with him i think that's where he's going to unfortunately cook the most because it's not like you're talking about a, a number nine who's going to be up there giving the center backs problems and you, you can expect miles to handle that it's the midfield is where he's going to be tied up at and he's really really good if ibarra is back i think ibarra just marks him all game and i think he stays on him nonstop. so we'll see uh it'll be a, it, it should be a good match but i really do think atlanta sh- i think they can pull it out you need it you need a solid statement win at home again because this would be again we always talk about there's always like an asterisk next to all these wins right they beat new england tomorrow that is a team that is ahead of them in the standings right now that's big. Keep a clean sheet. That's even bigger. So there's a lot riding on this one. Yeah. And Gustavo Bo did not play last game. Um, so he, I, I assume he's probably questionable. Yeah. At this point, or, he, you know, he might play limited minutes. So you're, you're not getting a full game of him, which is nice. I think he's always played pretty well against Atlanta. Yep. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. I won't go back to that 2021. But New England's been a good team. You know, they, they've been a good team over the years. So. That, that's kind of what you expect. But, you know, I saw someone post like what the right now, if you look at that currently wherever everyone at is at on the standings, we have the hardest schedule left. Yes. Which is, you know, frustrating, I think. But you've done what you didn't do last year. You got points early on. Yeah. You, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about it when we do the midseason review. But despite a lot of the issues we've seen, you know, blowing leads, you know, injuries, a lot of them. We're doing okay. And the summer transfer window is the big variable because, again, you're looking at the hardest schedule statistically going forward, but that's not taking into account any of the changes that not only Atlanta makes, but other teams make. Because changes aren't always good. You know, there's been some teams that have went into the summer transfer window, made changes, and suddenly dropped off. You know, that that happens. So that's the big variable. And I'd be really curious to see how successful Loggerway is going forward. Big, yeah. big variable. So um, you were talking about Patreon. What what all do we have coming up? Not just with Patreon, but everything. What, what's What's going on in the world of Scarves and Spikes? Yeah, so we're going to do our watch-along. It's going to be a, a sleepover edition. We're going to do the LA, LAFC game. So we're uh, we're working on some stuff, possibly that, doing some trivia before the game, since we're going to have some time to kill, unless you're one of those people that take naps before the game like me. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll be doing the watch-along uh, for LAFC. Uh, we're going to be recording our Patreon episode in the next week, which we're going to do the midseason review. Uh, I think we, we definitely need to get into the Ted Lasso. We've been talking about doing a Ted Lasso episode for a little while. And uh, for oh, anybody that so celebrates this holiday, it is Ted Lasso season, possibly series finale Eve. So celebrate it the way you do, you know, by getting, you know, some tissues and probably cry a lot. 
Yeah. Bruno, yes, you did win something and, and your stuff is on its way. You did win Bruno. So yeah, we we've been we give away uh some prizes. We've given away MLS gift cards, um, some cool pins and stickers. So we we've done a lot um during those. But yeah, we're gonna plan something special because it is gonna be a late night. So if you I figure a lot of people aren't gonna be going out to the bar to watch this one. They're gonna be in bed. So if you wanna join our Patreon, we will be available it's next Wednesday, right? Next Wednesday. Yeah, the seventh. Yeah. So plan for it rapidly. Actually, that's a Sunday. No, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong freaking month. Look at this. Embarrassing. That is Wednesday. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So most of these games are on during Saturdays that we do. So this is a Wednesday, 1030. You don't want to go out for there. Just grab pajamas, put some pajamas on, at least put a shirt on and then hop on, hop on Zoom with us. And yeah, let's hang out and talk about it. And then you and guys then, are going to be doing an episode on Thursday, right? Thursday, so another ratings episode, talking about the Revolution game and hopefully a win. And then you have nothing to preview. You have no, nothing to preview. No, not really. I mean, I think we're still going to have Jake Zivin on Thursday just to chat. And, and we'll do a preview because he's still doing that, that LAFC game anyway. Uh, still going to try to get either him or Twelman back on before the actual LAFC match next week as well to do a full preview, but we'll still talk about it. Um, but the thing is Jake and Taylor have these three matches and it'll be curious to kind of see, you know, going into the second match of the ones they're covering kind of how he feels and uh, get, get his thoughts on kind of what things are looking like for Atlanta and it'll be, it'll be good. And yeah, we'll also be doing the player ratings. So lots coming up. So Jake, yeah, Jake will be on Thursday. Seven o'clock, uh, as usual. So a couple of days, we'll be right back with you. And then, yeah, the the watch along next week, and we should be having again another guest on next week as well on our our regular show. Spaces after the match tomorrow, as usual. The one this past weekend just got all jacked up because everybody had stuff going on. Uh, so we'll be back at that, and then. Um, yeah, just we're busy. <laughs> it's a busy time of year. I don't so know. Many, when I sent uh, the the schedule for June to my friends, we usually get together and watch some games. It's crazy. Yeah, it's gonna be a busy June. Yes, it is. All right. Final thoughts? Anything? Let's just win. I hope you're right on the prediction. I hope I you hope are so. because I don't. I don't want to be sweating in the last couple minutes of the game. Yeah. And let's get some yeah. rumors. We need some rumors. We do need some rumors. I just saw one, but I didn't even want to share it because I'm pretty sure it's bullcrap. The, the... It's about Boca? No, no, no. This was... Um... Oh, I saw that one. Oh, really? No, this one was another Almada rumor, which again, that's why I'm just like, whatever. It was Almada to Benfica for 20 million euros. And I'm like, if if Atlanta does anything with Almada for 20 million, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. So Sorry. Crap. Decline. Yep. Not even getting out of bed for that. Screw you guys. Uh, all right, cool. I think is, that is for this this day's episode. We'll be back forty eight hours from now for another one. Gluttons for punishment. Yeah. All right, guys. It has been fun. It's been real. And we will see y'all Thursday. 
Have a good one.